Good morning, sisters and brothers. Uh, could you please turn with me to Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 24 to 30. Mark chapter 7, verse 24 to 30. Uh, let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we pray uh, for your help today. We pray that you help me as I record this sermon. Uh, we pray for all those who are listening. We pray that your spirit would be at work as we look at your word. Uh, we pray that you open our hearts that we might respond rightly to Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God helps those who help themselves. That's a popular quotation, isn't it? And in fact, one of my teachers in school used to say it all the time. And some people even think it's from the Bible. But is it? Well, it's not. But is it right? And especially, is it right when it comes to the things that we've been talking about in Mark chapter 7 over these last couple of weeks? Who does God really help? Well, two weeks ago, uh, in the first part of Mark chapter 7, uh, we met Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem. They were religious people who made every effort to obey the rules, especially the tradition of the elders. But they didn't really love God and obey His word. They honored Him with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. And God would bring His terrible judgment against them. Uh, these Pharisees and scribes were fastidious about eating with hands that were ritually clean, and they criticized Jesus and his disciples for not doing so. They could keep themselves clean on the outside, but actually, Jesus showed us last week, real uncleanness comes from the heart. He said in verse 21 of Mark chapter 7, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All the things that defile a people actually come from the inside. And that's not just the Pharisees, that's, that's us as well. Unless our hearts are washed clean, we too will face God's condemnation. But here's the problem. If God helps those who help themselves... Where does that leave us? We can wash our hands. Uh, we can even sanitize our hands with 75% alcohol. But how do we clean our hearts? How can we have clean hearts accepted by God and receive not His condemnation, but His wonderful salvation? Well, the Holy Spirit points us to the answer in the very next passage. In verse 24, of Mark chapter 7. Jesus goes away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, he was already in the north of Israel. Now he goes even further north uh, in, into Gentile territory by the sea. Uh, maybe his disciples are going for a break. We don't know. And he's in a house, but we know it's not an Airbnb because they didn't have that at the time. Uh, but he doesn't want people to know they're there. Yet people do know. Even up there, he can't be hidden. And so in verse 25, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit hears of him. She comes to him. She falls at his feet. It's a posture of humility or begging or even worship. Now, the fact that Jesus is in Tyre and Sidon will make you suspect that this woman was probably a Gentile, someone who's not a Jew. 
But Mark wants us to be very sure of that. In fact, he wants to draw it to our attention. He tells us plainly in verse 26, Now this woman was a Gentile. And just to double emphasize that, Mark tells us again what kind of Gentile? A Syrophoenician by birth. And so we have this woman, someone who is not one of God's people, at the feet of Jesus, begging him to cast a demon out of her daughter. Now notice how when Mark is echoing her petition in verse 26, he calls it a demon. But earlier on in verse 25, he called it an unclean spirit. Now, Gentiles, like this woman, knew all about demons. But Gentiles don't know about clean and unclean. They're all unclean anyway. But for a Jew, if someone is demonized, it means not only they've got something unclean on them, but in them. And Mark will show us that Jesus will save this Gentile from this unclean spirit inside. And if Jesus can save someone from an unclean spirit, then maybe he can also clean an unclean heart. But how does Jesus respond to this woman's request? He says something that sounds very strange to our ears. He says in verse 27, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now I want you to imagine the CMCO is over, and there you are, the outdoor stalls, with your family or your extended family or with friends who have got kids. And there you are eating your food, and then you see a couple of cute little dogs wandering around the eating area. So what do you do? Well, of course what you do is you look for the youngest child at the table, you take the plate of food from in front of them, and you tip it onto the floor for the dog. Of course not. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But once the children have eaten and they don't want any more, they can give lah those dogs. Unless, of course, you're like me and you wallop it yourself. You see, as God's plan of salvation goes, salvation was meant to first go to Israel. And then from Israel, it would spread. And the Gentiles will be blessed as well. That was, that was God's plan from the Old Testament time. Remember our Old Testament reading? The prophesied servant would first restore Israel, and then he would be a light for the nations. Step one, then, step two. Right? The Gentile mission will come in the book of Acts, but it's not time for it yet. It's Israel's turn at the moment. They get to eat first. Uh, Jesus was sent to be the king of the Jews before he be the king of all the nations. There's a proper sequence in God's plan uh, that is based on his promises to Abraham. You cannot take what is meant for the Jews now and give it to the Gentiles. Let the children be fed first. Well, that may be so, but it doesn't stop the Gentile woman. Instead of going away, she answers back to Jesus in verse 28. She says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now, I want us to notice three things about her answer. Firstly, notice how she calls Jesus Lord. Right? It could be a title of respect, like Sir. It could be coming under him, like Master. It could even be a divine title. But whatever it is, she comes to him humbly as Lord. And notice she didn't argue with God's plan. She doesn't say, how come I go to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles? That's not fair. My daughter can't wait. No, no, she accepts God's salvation plan. 
So much so that she can pick up Jesus' metaphor about the dogs and the children. But thirdly, even in the context of God's plan, she humbly asks for what she needs. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I'm not asking you to change God's plan for saving the Jews first. I'm not asking you to stop your work with him, with them. I'm not asking for their meal. I'm just asking for the crumbs. You've got your mission. You've got your plan. Just want the scraps. And Jesus is so impressed that he says in verse 29, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She believes him. She goes home. And she finds the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Friends, we mustn't misunderstand our Lord's intentions in this passage. He had a job to do. He doesn't change his mission plan. But it doesn't stop him from being compassionate. And he heals this woman's daughter after it is made very clear the circumstances under which he does it. He's helping this Gentile after firmly establishing that his, his primary mission is to the Jews and there's no room for misunderstanding on that. And while that's established, once it's established, this whole segment of Jesus' ministry is going to become a foretaste of the gospel going out to the Gentiles later. And so Jesus will heal a deaf man in a Gentile area in, in the next few verses. And he'll feed 4,000 people in a Gentile area, repeating his earlier uh, feeding miracle uh, in a Jewish area. And you know what? You notice, each time he feeds his people, even the scraps are so plentiful that there are baskets and baskets of them left over. Actually, it's plentiful for everyone. But first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, because of God's plans and promises. So as we look at the story in light of the previous one, who does Jesus help? Well, the Pharisees and the scribes that we heard about two weeks ago, they were Jews, but they got nothing but harsh words from Jesus. They thought they could help themselves by adding to God's word. They thought they could help themselves by, by keeping themselves ritually clean. Jesus exposed the uncleanness of their hearts, but he didn't help them. Didn't offer them either a diagnosis or a cure. Jesus was sent to Israel, but didn't help everyone there. On the other hand, there is this Gentile woman, not formally part of the mission at the moment, but she hears of Jesus, she comes to him, she falls at his feet, she calls him Lord, she begs for his help, she accepts his plan, and she rightly believes that Jesus is so good and so powerful that even the scraps of his ministry are enough to see her through. And Jesus helps her. He expels the unclean spirit from her daughter. Jesus helps people like that, not because of her race, but because of her faith in him. What about you? Have you come to the point in your spiritual journey that you realize what, what Jesus said last week is true? That your heart is sinful, you deserve the condemnation of a holy God. That you need to be clean on the inside, not just the outside but you don't know how to do it yourself. And if God just helps those who help themselves, you're lost. But like this woman, 
you have heard about Jesus. You have heard that he died on the cross, taking your sins and your punishment on himself so that he can actually make you clean. You have heard that it's his blood that can wash people clean from their sin and make them acceptable to God. But, but will he do that for you? Because it's one thing to say Jesus can cleanse people from sin. It's another thing to be assured that he's cleansed me. So what do you do? Well, from today, we have seen that God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who come to him knowing that they are helpless. So be like this woman. Come to Jesus. Fall at his feet. Call him Lord. Beg for his help. Ask him to make you clean, to save you, to help you, to, to rescue you from sin and death and hell. Accept God's salvation plan and believe that Jesus is so good and so powerful that he can save you and make you clean. But you know what? You can have so much more assurance than this woman because you know, we don't just get the scraps anymore. You can be confident of that because you know, now is the time for the gospel to go out to Gentiles like most of us. It's already our turn. Jesus has now died for sin and risen again. And if we have faith in Jesus, the death of Jesus reconciles us to God, whether we are Jew or Gentile. And those who have faith, like this Gentile woman, who throw themselves at Jesus, rely on his mercy, are included in his kingdom. And we are not second-class citizens either. We have been given full adoption as God's children. So no matter what race, no matter what background, no matter what, we belong. And if we are in Christ, we trust in him, we are his people. And what this passage today foreshadowed is now being fulfilled as people from every tribe, every race, every nation, every background come to Jesus as Lord and fall at his feet. We heard earlier that yesterday was Reformation Day. And this passage reminds us that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. At the mercy of Jesus is our plea, not our status, not our performance. God doesn't save those who save themselves. He saves those who bow in, in humble dependence on his Son. Great and precious Reformation truths. And then today is also All Saints Day. And this passage is relevant for that as well. For the Old Testament saints or holy ones, well, they were the Jews who believed. Uh, not everyone who was part of physical Israel was, was one of those people. Right? People like the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't. But, but the true believers who trusted in God, relied on Him, they were the saints. And in the New Testament, uh, saints sometimes also refers to the, the Jews who, who believed in Jesus. And then it also covers the Gentiles who believe in Jesus. For Jew or Gentile, if we are in Christ, then we are the saints. For we who believe have not only been made clean, but we've been set apart for the rest of the world to belong to God. The word saints means holy ones, set apart ones. Having been washed clean for our sins, we've been made God's holy people. And so today, on All Saints Day, we can be thankful that the blood of Jesus cleanses us on the inside 
And as we remember the saints who have gone before us, who from their labors rest, whether they be heroes of the universal church or members of our own family, we can be thankful that the blood of Christ has cleansed them as well. And we join with them in praising our wonderful Savior, not in the chorus of the great, but the chorus of the saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you now call us from every race and background to come to Jesus. Thank you that he has died for our sins, paying the penalty on our behalf to wash us clean. Please help us to keep bowing before him as Lord, trusting in your plan and relying on his mercy. In his name we pray. Amen.